So we, we, are, uh, we, we are a bit of a crazy church, really, truth be known. Um, <laughs> but but, but it, it, that would be okay, but we're, we're like this on purpose. This is, <laughs> there's a certain amount of intentionality in us ending up uh, where we are because we, we just prize him showing up how he wants to show up, when he wants to show up, over pretty much anything else. Um, and, and we don't care as much about how you might feel about that, if you get my drift. So um, that, that means things can be so much fun. And uh, we, we believe that he's going to get more and more glory because of, because of that, that it's his church, not ours. And it's governed by how he feels and what he wants to do rather than how that makes us feel at any particular moment. Um, and sometimes that can make us feel scared. Sometimes it can make us feel angry. Sometimes it can make us feel like running out the door. And we've all been there, so just join the club of <laughs> figuring out what it is to be invaded by heaven every now and again. Um, this morning, I wanted to I want to talk to you uh, about what is in the atmosphere right now, which is deeper encounters. That, that's all over the room today. Uh, and, and I think that you could feel it in the worship. And, and this is what God's doing with us. But I wanted to but introduce it really by just, just being clear that the goal is that you get him, not me. All right. That I feel fairly good about myself today, but you're definitely better off getting him, not me. All right. <laughs> Um, and we've, we've spent a lot of time in our teaching talking about identity and, and, and I know I'm awesome but I'm only awesome because I'm in him and he's in me and, and let, let's not and because of what he made me so he gets all the glory and it's really good to remember those, those things that it really is I sometimes say to our team and say here that I have chats with the Holy Spirit who's the senior pastor and it can sound a bit trite but actually it's really how it works. If that wasn't true, it wouldn't be working and I wouldn't be surviving uh, and thriving. So I I was thinking as I was preparing this, when, when when you're doing, you guys have been around a while and we do, you know, words of knowledge and pray for the sick and have appeals and sometimes we can look pretty confident. But actually, a lot of the time, you don't feel powerful at all. Even when you're saying powerful things or inviting people to experience powerful things, the truth is, I'm not feeling very powerful. If it was dependent on how I felt, probably not very much would happen. And actually, it's not about, it would stop being about faith and about what he's doing and be about all whether I'm feeling gooey or awesome in any particular moment. And just... I just thought it's important to know these things. Yeah. Otherwise, again, it'd be about me and not him, wouldn't it? If, yeah. if I'm feeling really great today, people are really going to get it, then I'm not really relying on what he's going to do. It's just all about how up for it I am. Yeah. Is that, does this make sense? So sometimes you can sit, you know, I do sit where you sit and listen to other people speak, and sometimes you can sit there and look at the speaker and think, they got it all together, and they're just, they must be feeling really awesome doing this. Now, some weeks that isn't true, but you're still doing it because you're believing God in the season. 
And sometimes you say a word of knowledge that someone's head's going to grow back on and it doesn't work. And you didn't feel powerful before you gave the word of knowledge and you feel even less powerful when it didn't happen. But you know what? We're going to keep doing it till it happens. Uh, otherwise it wouldn't be faith and it, it wouldn't be real. Um, <clears throat> and I was thinking about, just to sort of help me and you really, think things people have said to me in the past if you were just getting me, this would be dreadful. Back, wait, this is some time back. This has been this, where I'm at now has been a lot of God has done a lot of work. So we did a kind of year's Bible school, and at the end of that, I was told. Now, now those of you who work more closely with me are going to laugh at this. I was told A, I wasn't a leader, and B, I was an administrator. <laughs> That's how much insight they were working on, that's for sure. <laughs> I was talking to Lydia Spicer the other day who does, runs our finances, and she said what she has said to me many times, bluntly, and it doesn't hurt me. She just says, you are not an administrator. I'm like, I'm free, I'm free. I'm free. <laughs> I was told that, that people couldn't understand me. Actually, people till, still say that to me. Um, what is it you're talking about? Well, I know <laughs> um, that, that I, I wouldn't be a preacher and, and all these kind of things. So whatever's happening here is purely a work of grace over a fairly long period of time. <laughs> and actually, lots of other people before you got the poor version. <laughs> I was inflicted upon hundreds of people before... <laughs> I got to this point of acceptability. Isn't that good news for you, eh? <laughs> uh, <laughs> one guy came up to me after one preach. He said, you need to make up your mind whether you want to be a preacher or a comedian. <laughs> this was after a preach in which the basic point was all built around the wide mouth frog joke. Do you, you can get a, it's a children's book now. I, I don't have time to tell you the joke, but it is, it is funny, uh, and I decided, <laughs> and I thought it made a very good point, but you don't have to endure that either. Aren't you happy? If you don't know what the wide mouth frog joke is, ask a child. <laughs> uh, I, I have, and I probably will still continue to make famous gaffes. So there are certain people on our team, even now, there's things that start to come out of my mouth, and I'm, look, I'm looking at their eyes, and they're like, stop there, stop there, stop, you're digging. Yeah, yeah you're digging, stop digging. Years ago, the, the, we had, in those days, you had a little platform, and all the leaders and visiting leaders sat on the platform and looked at the congregation. Yeah. It was just what we did then. It felt spiritual at the time. Um, <laughs> And I was speaking, and we had visitors from Africa, very black, lovely brothers. And somehow in the preaching, I get off on this, and God could call you anywhere, but it doesn't mean he's going to call you to outer bongo, bongo land. And I'm saying this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, the sensitive ones amongst us, uh, this is 25 years ago, and it still produces pain that that moment happened. <laughs> And on the front row, just the leaders were going, stop, stop. 
But I didn't stop. And <laughs> I actually said it. Um, until now, I've not said it till now. <laughs> just, just so you know, this is, this is the kind of person you're dealing with this morning. Reformed, much reformed, much helped by God and faithful others who've said, you can't say that in front of black people that you actually do love. Um, and, and, and there have been other infamous moments of, of failure. Like, I remember uh, we moved to... We moved to a new church plant and be going for a year, to lead a church plant and be going for a year in Newcastle. And uh, my approach was, we're going to go to the hardest place first, and everything after that will be easy. <laughs> so we actually did this, we, we decided we we're going to do a healing meeting <laughs> in this area. And, I, and we did door knocking, and, and it's the kind of place which you get in the schemes in Glasgow, you know, you could only knock on every third door because all the others were either burned out or boarded up. And we actually had a fairly successful thing. People came and some people got healed. But there's two things about that. One is the day before, I was going to say I had a hysterectomy. That's not what I had. That's not possible, is it? See, the, the propensity to do crazy stuff is still there. I had a vasectomy, and all my friends told me that, oh, it's painless, you'll be fine. I, my eyes were watering. They literally had to help me stand at the front to preach this message. But, but God came, and some people got healed, but I didn't. And... <laughs> So, so taken were we with the success and our great courage of walking around all these burned out houses that we went to the next district to do another healing meeting. I could still, this is burned in my memory. The night was cold. It was a wet Tyneside night. The wind was blowing and we'd rented this little building and one person came with a dog. And when we asked who wanted prayer, the dog wanted prayer. <laughs> I have more. <laughs> so just in case anybody was under any false illusions about this glowing, glorious, successful person, just to let you know, just to let you know that isn't how this works at all. I was thinking about... I was thinking about my most desperate moments. Do you have desperate moments? Like, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, please. With the encouragement of, of the guy that was leading the church at that point, who was kind of mentoring me, I said, you should do some healing meetings. This is back in the late 80s. And I'm like, yeah, that'd be cool. And then the night's coming, and I'm, gonna, I'm the speaker, and we've advertised it as a healing meeting, and I've never done this in my life. I'm like, oh crap, what if nothing happens? I mean, I prayed before that like I had never prayed before. I was crying. I was on my knees. And people were around all crying, but I don't think they were crying as much as me because I was actually going to be the one that stood there and said, Hello, everybody. God's going to heal you tonight. And, and, and there's this whole intensity of, of, of desperateness. 
And so people showed up expecting to be healed. And I'm like, oh. You just suddenly feel like, well, I haven't got any on me. I'm like, no, no, I've only got a hanky, not a healing. Um, I can give you, I'll give you a two-pound coin. Will that get you? No, that won't work either. You just feel this sort of complete nakedness. All these people have come for healing. Hi. And so I, I preached my best message at the time, which had no reference to out of Bongo Bongo land, you'll be glad to hear and did not include the wide mouth frog jokes. It was an improvement on some previous efforts. And then we invited people forward and nobody got healed. For ages, nothing was happening. And suddenly in the back corner, I still remember it, there was this big shout. And someone who'd been in a car accident and injured all their shoulders and couldn't lift their arms and all this just got... Someone had, was praying for them in the corner. Boom, there was this breakthrough. And like, oh, I'm awesome. That was amazing. Of course, something was good. But it, there was this incredible healing that, you know, the testimony got written up afterwards. And, but that was my most desperate. Before that, it's like, help me, God. Please. There's been many other moments like that, but that kind of focused the mind and the emotions more than somewhat. <laughs> so I have a verse. That you will, I guarantee no one has preached this verse to you ever before. It's Ezekiel 8, verse 2. Many of you have probably never read Ezekiel, let alone heard a preach based on this verse. But it's going to be another first for you this morning. Ezekiel 8, verse 2. If I had more time, which I don't, we'd also read Daniel 10, 1 to 19, but that's your homework. Read Daniel 10, 1 to 19. Ezekiel 8 verse 2 says, When I looked, so he's having a visionary encounter, Ezekiel, one of many. Then I looked and behold a form that had the appearance of a man. <clears throat> Below what appeared to be his waist was fire, and above his waist was something that appeared of the, of the brightness like gleaming metal. He put out the form of a hand, this guy's struggling for words here, and took me by the lock of my head. I, he put me, pulled my hair And the Spirit lifted me between earth and heaven and brought me into visions of God and in visions of God to Jerusalem. Yeah. Just thought I'd read that verse. I just love that verse. So here he is having an encounter with Jesus and the Holy Spirit grabs him by his hair. That's a manifestation I've not yet seen in a meeting. Not yet. And I want to talk to you this morning about, about deeper encounters. And I love that we have a lot of, we have various words for it, people getting whacked, drunk, drunken glory, joy of the Lord, praying for one another, sometimes people fall over. And it's all wonderful and we want more and more because the Bible says to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit in, in Ephesians. But I, something happened to me at, at ELA, uh, the European Leaders Advance, and I had an encounter with God the like of which I, there's probably five or six in 40 years of being a Christian. It was a, and Hannah was sharing, Hannah Graham was sharing last week, something had happened to her. And, and, and I felt, you know, this is a, a level and a depth 
that is very, very significant to me, but something I don't want us to miss in, in us going for all the other stuff. And actually, I think he's right at the core of what God is doing and has done with us as a community and as a church. And uh, it's like there is another category. Like, you read the prophets, and please read Daniel 10, because it, it basically gives you a much more filled-out story of Daniel's encounter with Jesus, and, but also what it did to him. And, and that's sometimes the thing we struggle the most. What it actually physically does to you is dramatic. So here's this guy, feels like he's being lifted up by his hair. In Daniel, it says he falls to his face asleep, then he's spoken to it, and he stands up and he trembles, and then he's on all fours, and on and on. And you can go through the Bible, and, and when people have deeper encounters with Jesus, it, they get physically affected. And you know, pulled by the hair is just one of the more unusual ones. And now I'm not preaching this morning that you should have your hair pulled by God, all right? That's not the point. The point is that bizarre, wonderful, to us, bizarre and wonderful things accompany God invading your life. So there I am at ELA and listening to this preaching, and I start to literally feel the Holy Spirit come up my legs as I'm sitting down. I'm like, and, and, I, and I've been here before just a few times, and I'm like, uh-oh, something's coming. And then I hear God say, put your glasses away. <laughs> it's as practical as that. Put your iPad. And, and this, this thing, this feeling of Holy Spirit coming up my legs and up my body. says, okay, put, put, your, put your glasses away. Now put your iPad away. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm just here. And then I'm groaning. And then I'm groaning very loudly in a room of 2,000 people. I'm like shout groaning, ugly groaning, then ugly crying, ugly groaning. Then I'm falling down in, in between the, the chairs and it literally feels like my stomach, I'm not talking about an emotion now, I'm talking about a physical feeling that my actual stomach is, someone's put a hand down my throat and is pulling my stomach out of my mouth. There's such a, this is not like, Fun, happy, ha-ha moment, it's, but I know it's God. And I'm pinned to the floor, and, and this is, goes on for, I don't know, 45 minutes, something like that. And, 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 and in it, I'm having visions of God. Uh, and one of the things I see of, of, of the many is, is, the, is a map of Europe. And... <clears throat> Huge angels, bigger than I've ever seen, one by one, each one stood on each nation of Europe. They were so tall, if they lay down, they'd be the length of the nations that they stood on. And God said to me, Europe is changing. The spiritual climate has now changed because the armies of heaven have showed up. Europe will not be excluded and is not forgotten in all that I'm doing. And everything Jesus bought and prayed for is going to break out in its fullness in Europe. And he showed me some stuff that these things change your life because in it there is a pull on you to partner with what 
he's saying, saying to you. And I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about the anatomy of an encounter. Because it helps us. Because they're in, in the prayer meeting, God just gave me these two words about, what was it, stirring up and brewing. And, and uh, I, 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 for some of you, this has been brewing a long time, and today's your day. You can already feel it. You're not ex- just kind of excited, and you're kind of scared, and that's all right. Because what happens when he shows up like this is you increase in the awe the fear of the Lord in the right sense increases in your life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> for some of you, you've been stirring up for this, and it's okay to stir up. So I want to talk to you about uh, the anatomy of an encounter. The first thing I want to say is, whether it's Ezekiel or Daniel or whatever you read, or there's some sort of hunger Now, actually, it can look really intense, like me crying out because of that healing meeting, but sometimes the hunger can be not that obvious, but there's some kind of invitation happening from your heart to him. There's some sort of cry out, some kind of desire for another moment. There's some kind of seeking an answer. There's something in you pulling on heaven for something that you, haven't, you can't understand or you don't know. You're confused. You need revelation. You need breakthrough. You need more of him. Put your own words around it, but inside you, you may have set aside specific time, or it's just been burbling away on the inside of you, in your quiet moments, in the car, just like, oh God, I've got to have a breakthrough, I've got to know, I've got to meet you again, I've got to have an answer. And uh, the Bible says that if we seek him, we find it. And I can't retranslate that verse, but, but I also think if you seek him, he finds you. Uh, so if you look at the, the parable of the lost coin or the lost sh- sheep, he, he finds you. And I think what's happening is God is always looking. All right? So you haven't got to persuade him to meet you. He's just looking for people who are ready to be met. All right? I'll say more about that. See, I think hunger is so important. It's so important for us as a church um, that, that self-satisfaction, complacency, lethargy in the things of God are, 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 the, are the enemy, really. Um, raw hunger. I'd rather have raw hunger than sophistication any day of the week. You know, religion is doing what we used to do when God showed up. But he, we still do it and he's not showing up. I'm not saying we're doing that. I'm just saying that's, that's the history of Christianity. God shows up. Wonderful things happen. People keep doing them even when he's not showed up. Uh, some people talk it form, say it's form without power. But you get the gist. It's like, well, we can do, you know, we can play the songs, sing, sing it, dance around. But is he, it's got to be out of that sense of, woof presence that we can't even explain here we talk about angels in the room or he's throwing out fireballs or we're seeing presence it's just language that God's giving us to try to explain his imminence is the theological word he's here and he's doing stuff 
Get over yourself if you don't like angels and fireballs. He's here and he's doing stuff. Is that okay? If you're theological, he's imminent. He's imminence. Manifest God in the room. And I would never want us to be fascinated and proud of our techniques, great worship, sound, band, organization. Not going to happen if I'm in charge, but thank God we have organized people. So I'm not against organization. Jesus organized for a miracle. Yeah, so this feeding of the 5,000 is an organized miracle. Otherwise, it would have been complete chaos. It probably killed all the disciples, all those hungry people and bread. And Jesus said, sit down in groups of 50. They didn't know what was coming. It got all bossy all of a sudden. So, so the goal of this church is not to become good at techniques and worship bands. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't be... Ex- so don't, you can hear this completely wrong, which is we don't believe in excellence. We're just going to keep it all rough around the edges. No, 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 no. The issue is, is hunger. So you can, be, you can be tatty and complacent. Yeah? You can be disorganized and still be complacent. We want to be excellent and hungry. Passionate for more but creating the best wineskin we know how in partnership with him for what he wants to pour out. Um, This has happened around me and happened to me. Maturity. Something happens with Christians when they've been whacked a few times. They're like, that's it, I'm done now. I had my encounter in, you know, 84 was mine or 94 or 2003. That was my encounter. And And it was... It was difficult and it was embarrassing. And I'm mature now. I don't need that kind of thing. Ah. <laughs> Honestly, I've heard Christian leaders say, well, we've moved on in our maturity. All that sort of God invasion, falling on the floor stuff, we, 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 we don't need that anymore. We, we're mature. We're missional. That's another thing I've heard them say. I'm not saying missional is bad. Isn't that terrible? I'm too mature for more of God. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, that's a nasty thing to say. Or we, we do this other thing we do which is related is this sort of, you know, you know this whole airbrushing thing on photos? Don't you? It's, it's hard now to look at a magazine to know, is that person real? Because all the blemishes and things get, quote, airbrushed. And, and we do that in Christianity forget about the pain and we forget about the rawness and we forget about the intensity and we forget about the confusion and we, we just think that was difficult. Let's just have it all nice and smooth that we know what's going on and we're not confronted with all these difficult questions about is this really God? Why do I feel so strange? Nearly every denomination exists because God moved powerfully with a group of people once and many denominations then write out of their actual official histories the, they airbrush their history to remove all the strange phenomena and then when those phenomena occur later on in their history 
they tend to be suspicious of them where they're actually the things that mean they even existed in the first place. Wouldn't it be, I just don't want us to be like that. Let's stay scared. Let's stay uncomfortable. Let's stay hungry. Hungry for authentic encounters with him, deeper encounters. Because if there's hunger, he's looking for hunger. He'll land on hunger. And then he, he just comes. He, he comes. And he doesn't need actually tons of invitation. Right now, all you need to go, yeah, I'm in. He's delighted. You're sitting there going, hmm, oh, yeah, just go, I'm in. Boom, he's there. Hunger, then he comes. And then there's a bit that we, I think, and I've struggled with the most, is this whole point that we do have to give him a yes or a surrender moment. Or a, So here, here we go. I'm sitting in my seat in this conference and I can feel Holy Spirit literally coming up my legs. And because I've had a few of these and, and where the preaching is going, I'm like, uh-oh, I know what's coming. But at that point, I make a choice. Do I want more of what's coming? Or do I not? Has God got my yes? Has he got your yes? A long time ago now, I made a decision that you would always have my yes. I read in the Bible all these people that said no. And how it grieved the heart of God and how he's looking. It says he looks, his eyes roam to and fro throughout the earth, looking for someone whose heart was totally for him, that he could fully support those whose hearts were totally for him. I think it's in one or second, first or second chronicles. He's looking for people who've already given him their yes. And he rushes in where there's a yes. You see, God isn't treating you like a rag doll. He's not, you're not his puppet. He respects you, so he will not overtake you without your yes. And sometimes people have this idea of sovereignty, so powerful, he's so awesome. Well, he's just going to knock me about because even if I don't want it. No, he isn't. No, he really isn't. At any point, so I'm feeling this feeling coming up my legs. At any point, I don't want this. He would have stopped straight away. Would stop straight away. He's not going to force me into something I don't want. And at every moment, there's a yes. So, so this thing is growing inside of me and getting noisier, and I'm feeling more um, embarrassed because ah, I, and I can really feel this now. This is like a big, ah, like huge, eating me up. Ah, and I know it's coming out if I say yes. He's not just going to do with you whatever he wants. And some people make a mistake there. It's like, well, you know, God will give me joy if he wants to give it to me. He wants to give it to you. Do you want it? Well, God will give me a word of knowledge if he wants to give it. He wants to give it. Do you want one? 
has he got your yes? So there is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is full of joy. Do I want it today? No, because I'm fed up. You know, I kicked the cat and I can't pay my bill and I'm not feeling it. Well, you just said no. I just said no. You know, God's mood is not affected by my circumstances. It's like, yeah, I'm just so, it's no, so, not so empathetic and sympathetic that it gets down in it with you. And just imagine, you know, Heavenly Father and you sitting in the dirt going, yeah, I can't pay the bill. What do you think, Dad? Yeah, it's t- I can't, we can't pay the bill, can we? It's just, it's just, do you know what you're going to do? I don't know what I'm going to do. Do you know what you're going to do? I don't know what I'm going to do. That's why I'm talking to you, yeah, but I'm just, I'm, I'm just empathizing. I don't know. Let, let, this should be just be a dull day, really, shouldn't it? It's just... I don't know the answer, you don't know the answer, you've got bills to pay, you've got, yeah, and, and auntie's coming. <laughs> that auntie. Oh, you really have my sympathy now, if, that, if it's that uh, uh, Were you feeling low before? Yeah, I was. You should feel lower now. Um, yeah, I am feeling low. How about you? Yeah, well, I'm joining you. I'm empathizing. I'm, I feel really crap, and I'm God. How are you doing? We don't want him to be like that. Thank God he isn't like that. (laughs) The devil's looking for company in his depression. He's inhabited and inhabits hopelessness. Talked about this last week. Oh, Jesus, help me now. Just come now. Just, just get it over with. Just. <laughs> Does he have your yes to what he wants to do? And, and Some of you are already feeling things in your mind, your body, your emotions, and you get to choose right now. I know he's here. I know that something's been brewing for some of you for a long time, and this is your day, but he's not going to make it happen he needs your yes. He set me up. He wants your yes to the encounter, yes to a new direction, yes to a new assignment, yes to change. <laughs> I haven't got time to tell you all the crazy yeses in my life, but they're there. And they look stupid to some people. And still when we tell people, they're like, you were nuts. We just said yes. What looks nuts to you, but complete sensible to us, because we just said yes. And in these moments are our deepest interactions with God. This is where deep is calling to deep. This is where, it's funny, if you read the Daniel passage, Mysteries are both being revealed, I explained, and more mysteries revealed, if you see what I mean. He's like getting deeper into the I don't know. In seeking for an answer, he's getting an answer, and he's also getting more questions. Because the Father is looking for people to share his heart with. People who can carry the mystery. So, 
these encounters are where mysteries get answered and more mysteries arrive. You see things you can't explain. You hear things you don't understand. But it's just Heavenly Father going, welcome to my world. I want you to see this. Daniel gets revelation about, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years into the future. Thousands of years into the future. And God says, I just love sharing my stuff with people who are ready. Um, so these kind of encounters, <clears throat> we're just going to hold on. We'll send you for your kids in a moment, but I just want to give God some room. And the kids went out a bit later, so we're just going to give God some room this morning. The, this is where world changes happen. This is where world changes are born. This is where people who change cities, nations, and the planet get ignited. And, and again, there's not time to talk about that. There's many, many examples. The quick one I'll give you is Heidi Baker, who for seven days was incapacitated. She had to be carried in and out of meetings. She had to be fed by other people. She went from having her and Roland having four small, weak churches in the middle of the 90s to now having tens of thousands of churches all over Africa and around the world. What made the difference? An inexplainable, overwhelming, painful, debilitating encounter with God. That's where world changes are birthed. So I just want you to open your hearts, open your hands. You can sit, you can stand, you can... And I'm talking about something that could be joyful, but it, it's not always, quotes comfortable, all right? But it is transformational. And let's just invite the Holy Spirit to encounter us. Why don't you do that yourself first? So, Holy Spirit, will you come? right now and give people in this room the encounter they've been asking for maybe they didn't know they were asking for it but they were right now hear their yes hear their call if you feel him touching you in your body your emotions your, you have to keep saying yes you have, it, there's a cooperation point which affects how deep you go in the encounter. So just give him permission, partner with what he's doing. Don't say things to yourself like, this never happens to me, this isn't for me, couldn't I? No. You qualify. So come more Holy Spirit, we say yes to you. We invite you deeper, stronger than we've known before. Don't be afraid to let it out. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, more. 
When, when I was having my encounter, I was repenting for resisting the Holy Spirit. felt him so strong I realized how much of him had been neglecting and ignoring. So come more Holy Spirit. We're sorry where we've quenched you or squished you or ignored you. Yeah, birth some more world changes in this room this morning Holy Spirit. Let our yeses get bigger and louder and more meaningful. Come more, Father. Come more, Holy Spirit. I feel like there's some people, you've known the call of God on your life and it got shut down or you walked away from it in some way or other and he's looking for a new yes because the call is still in place. Looking for a new yes to what he said to you years ago, actually. He's not forgotten you, he's not left you. It's still in place. If you have to interrupt it, you can go back to where you are. I found that you can re-enter encounters at other moments. And let your hunger get stirred. Call out, cry out, ask him. It's not just this morning this can happen. Many of the things he's done with me have been stuff no one would ever see, but made complete sense, or didn't make sense at the time, but was life-changing.